0: All right, so we just looked at the Gospel of John's account of the crucifixion of Christ. And before last on Sunday, we went through Matthew's account of it. And I definitely think uh, this time of year, it's good to just take this time and focus on the cross. And we should always think about the cross. But I do think it's good to kind of have a special time for that. As Christians, we glory in the cross. You know, we are not of those who... Uh, brag about their changed lives and they talk about their repentance of sins that got them saved and their All their fancy experiences and things like that we glory in the cross We give all glory to jesus christ for what he did as payment for our sins And so it is this is something we're supposed to look look on, look back on we're supposed to remember And when we take communion, what are we doing? We are remembering as a church as a group of believers. We are remembering the body and the blood of jesus christ because that is the one thing that we all have in common, or whatever we definitely should all have in common. There's a lot of things that we can, you know, have our own ideas on and things, but when it comes to the cross, you better have, you know, that in common. You better be you better have Jesus Christ as a part of your life. There's no doubt about that. And if you don't have that, then there's no reason for us to fellowship. No matter how many other things we get along with, if you don't have Jesus Christ, there's just you know, there's no there's no point in anybody being here that's not with us on that. Our fellowship is with him and so let's go ahead and i want us what i want to do this is something i did several years ago i i I went and i looked back and i think it was in 2014 i did it last i i thought i only did it like two years ago or something but it's been a long time and i want to do this again uh just because i think it's a good way to remember but i want to look at the all the sufferings of jesus christ on the cross because he went through a lot of there's a lot of things that he went through and hopefully I get, you know, everything that's mentioned in the scriptures. I might miss, have missed some. But let's go ahead and start in John chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And then in Luke chapter 22, you don't need to turn there. we're mostly going to be in John, but Luke 22, 64, it says that when they had blindfolded him, they struck him in the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. So I want to notice the scourging and the beating that Jesus took while he was uh, getting ready to be put on the cross. Because notice that, you know, these things that he went through, not only were they painful, but all these things we're going to see here, too, they were humiliating also. You know, to, I mean, obviously nobody wants to get beat up. But, you know, to be publicly beat would be a lot worse, wouldn't it? Because, you know... You know, it's like when you fall down, you know, what's the first thing you do? You look around to see if anybody saw you. No matter how bad it hurt, you know, our first instinct is, did anybody see? Because, you know, it's kind of humiliating to get hurt. And so to be just kind of put on display, only to be beaten, not only is it painful, but then it's, it's also humiliating at the same time. And, of course, you know, we know that this is something that he's going through. Not for anything he did. You know, it's another thing too. If you're being beaten for something that you did, but this is—I mean—he's done absolutely nothing. Yet not only is he being beaten, but he's also being—you know—you know—he's being blasphemed while they're doing it. They're doing it too. It says many other things. Blasphemously spake they against him. You know, they're blindfolded. When, when you're—you know—to be blindfolded and beat. You know, think about how bad that would be to have somebody blindfold you and then punching you in the face. Because, I mean, you don't see it coming out of time to brace for it. And then they're just having fun, you know, saying, you know, prophesy, tell us who it was. They're wanting to see him do some kind of trick is pretty much what they're doing. And all of this stuff, too, is being done. And you got to keep this in mind by someone who could have stopped it at any time. Jesus could have stopped it. I mean, he could have brought the legions of angels in and he could have taken care of business right there if he had wanted to. I, I really believe he could have done that right then but he didn't he did this for us look at what it says also in matthew 26 verse 67 says then did they spit in his face and buffeted him and others smote him with the palms of their hands so while the beating and everything's going on they're spitting on him too now spitting is again that's not a painful thing but that is it's gross but you know what else is the worst about spitting too it's humiliating it's it, you know it's humiliating to be spit on. It's just a, one of the most disrespectful things you can do. And here we have the man who spoke the universe into existence being spit on by his own creation. You know that's something that and all these things too. While we can think about it, we can reflect and we can kind of imagine. It it's it was way worse for Jesus Christ because of who he was, because of how holy he was said, you know, you and I, if we're getting beat for something, we've done so much sin, you know, we know anything short of hell is bonus, right? So, you know, it'd be a little easier for us to take it because isn't it, isn't it more painful when you're getting beat up for something you didn't do? Like getting quarantined when you weren't sick or something. I, I don't know why I went there. <laughs> but, you know, it's those are the things that bother us more, isn't it? And so these, Jesus is having these things done Who has done absolutely nothing he's got the spitting going on now that would be disgusting for us too, to be spit on but you know at the same time we're gross ourselves here we have a pure undefiled man Jesus Christ being spit on you know that I believe it would be worse for him than it would have been for us and so they're doing all these things mocking him and then also in John 19 in verse 2 It says and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe so the crown of thorns now obviously a crown of thorns in the head would be very painful you know but I don't believe this was so much done for the pain as much as it was to humiliate him too because of the fact that you know you know he said he was the king of the Jews and so they're like all right you know let's give this king a crown it's pretty much what they're doing I mean, just you know, it, you know, I was reading uh, Revelation 19 today, and just uh, I was I was doing some stuff for the radio program, and just thinking about Revelation 19 a little bit. And I've been thinking about Revelation 19 a lot, you know, in the last couple of weeks, just thinking, you know, Lord, I can't wait until the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes back and takes care of business. I'm just getting, I'm just a little more excited about it now than I ever have been. And I don't, want to, I don't want to preach that message that I did for that. But, you know, we are right now, we are in, the, in a dark hour, you could say. Just like the disciples were in a dark hour during the crucifixion. But, you know, the funny thing about it, Jesus had told them it was going to happen, and three days later he was going to rise from the dead. What is happening to us right now is a step of what Jesus said is going to happen. And we know the end of the story, don't we? And, you know, I'd like to think if I could go back in time and I could be there at the cross, that while obviously it would, I can't imagine seeing the, the suffering that Jesus went through, I'd like to think that there would be a part of me, though, that would have great joy in knowing what he was doing and that that wasn't the end of the story. His death was not the end of the story he rose again from the dead. I'd like to think that I would have taken some great joy in that. You know, we ought to. This is our chance to do that right now. While all the ugly is going on in the world, while all the wickedness is going on, while all the things that Jesus said were going to happen, you know, that right there, you know, is this is our time to re- go ahead and rejoice in the dark hours. Let's rejoice now because we know how this thing's going to end. It's going to end like we see in Revelation 19 with their blood flowing. Yeah, our blood's going to flow, but we're going to rise from the dead. And then we're coming back. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it more now than ever before. And and think about this too. You know, and this is something we need to remember too. And this encourages me greatly. I like I like to think about this too is when I think about when I sing songs about the coming of Christ. I like to think about the crucifixion too. One of my favorite songs that we've sang, we've sang a lot Is He will be exalted and the the song starts out talking about how the king of heaven left his rightful place how he came to earth He suffered though. It says in the song though men reject him Christ alone shall reign supreme at last all his enemies shall wither like the grass when he came that first time It was a very humble coming What he went through on this earth was very humbling But one of these days he's coming back in all his power and all his glory And we can rejoice in that now because we have the promise of it. So we need to be rejoicing with what we see going on. And so when I see them putting a crown of thorns on Jesus' head, my mind immediately goes to him coming back wearing many crowns in Revelation 19 and taking care of business, doing what he could have done back then. But if he had done it back then, then there would be no hope for us. There would be no salvation for us. So we need to rem- we need to remember these things, you know, you know, be sad, you know, for, you know, what he had to go through, but at the same time, take joy in the fact that he did it for us cuz we couldn't have done this. What Jesus Christ did here, it would have taken us an eternity to pay for in hell. And so, you know, we can, we, I, I think it's okay for us to rejoice in these things and to sing about his suffering, sing about his blood that was shed. He wants us to do that. They're gonna, we're going to be singing about in heaven. We're going to be singing, worthy as the lamb that was slain. We're always going to be singing about that, even in heaven, because that's why we're going to be there. So think about that. But, that. but while that was going on, while he's suffering, said he's wearing a crown of thorns. It's not just painful, but it was humiliating too. It was just a way to mock him. And then look what it says in Matthew 27:30. I'm kind of trying to look at these things, too, chronologically as they happened. And it says in Matthew 27, verse 30, And they spit upon him and took a reed and smote him on the head. And, folks, it, you, you know, it hurts getting hit in the head, doesn't it? I mean, getting hit in the head, I mean, I've had some painful blows to the head before, and you can probably tell, but, I mean, it, it it's, it's not a pleasant thing. You know, it kind of make it delirious. And uh, I've hit my head before. And I, I can't, one time, I went to go jump over a step, and there was like this, uh, like a doorway there. I wasn't thinking about the fact that it was there. And I just jumped up, smoked my head on that. And I think I might have passed out. I don't remember. I just remember I laid down, and I was kind of dizzy. And later, I just kind of all of a sudden was fine. I think I might have passed out. I was just a teenager when it happened. That was very painful, and so you know that's another thing that he went through, you know, probably making him delirious, just making everything more difficult. He's got all that pain, and then he get hit on the head like that. I can't even imagine. so then look at John chapter nineteen again, verse two, and it says, so it says they put on him uh the purple robe, and they said, "All hail, king of the Jews, and they smote him. With their hands. So again, he's being hit, but he's also being mocked. Nobody likes being mocked. Nobody likes being made fun of. And that's, that's not a pleasant thing. And here they're doing, you know, they're, they're all having fun at his expense. And not just, so this isn't just a matter of, you know, saying bad things, but they're inflicting pain while doing it too, making it worse. They're they're having fun with it. You know, and you, know, you take the biggest slime ball in the world. I just can't imagine, you know. I can't imagine just torturing somebody. You know, I mean, uh, I believe in the death penalty, but I think they ought to make death quick, (laughs) personally. I just, I don't really see the point in torturing somebody and slow, long deaths. And you're like, oh, you know, what if it's a pedophile or something? It's like, you know, I still don't want to torture any human being. I understand some people need to be put in the grave, but just do it quick and let them get to hell a few minutes quicker. All right. I, I think that's, you know, more than anything we can do to them. I just, I, I can't imagine, you know, that and to be partake, you know, be the one getting it. I can't even imagine. But they're mocking at the same time. It says in Matthew 27, verse 39, it says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said he saved others himself he cannot save if he be the king of israel let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him he trusted in god let him deliver him now if he will have him for he said i am the son of god so notice in this mocking that's going on right here not only are they mocking christ but they're mocking god the father too they are blaspheming god and you know isn't it a painful thing too when you know, nasty things are said about you, but isn't it a painful thing, too, when somebody's saying nasty about somebody you love? That's, I mean, it's one thing to hear it about you, but to hear it about someone you love, I think, is, it can be even more difficult. And so here, you've got these people, they're mocking him, and notice, too, with the things that they're saying, you know, these are things, too, that obviously are lies, but they are also things that are misleading people. In a way that could get him in big trouble, they're you know they're doubting his ability to to save anybody. You know he saved others, but himself he cannot save. You know what they're doing? They're sending a message out there that Jesus can't save anybody. You know, and, and I imagine some people probably heard that too. They heard that, and isn't it? You know, I know you know be, as being a preacher, you know, who gets a lot of criticism that's out there. Well, I don't always mind the, you know, sometimes the criticism bothers me. All right, I'm not going to act like I can just, you know, nothing phases me. You know, it depends on who it is. But at the same time, too, I don't like it when I feel like the criticism and the things that people are saying about me, you know, I think would be likely to maybe mislead somebody to send them down the wrong path. Okay, If it's just somebody that just doesn't like me and just wants to start bashing me, okay, like for, you know, the homos with the stuff they say about me, to me you know that's a badge of honor you know anybody that would listen to that you know is too far gone to help anyway but you know it's more the false prophets that bother me more like the scribes that were there people who are looked to as you know those who knew the scriptures they are they're leading people astray With what they're saying and so what they were saying wasn't just hurting jesus in fact they were mocking him but it's hurting other people too it's hurting the very people that jesus is trying to save so here he is on the cross but you know what the bible was prophesied that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before a shears is dumb so open he not his mouth he wasn't in a position there and it wasn't what he was supposed to do to be up there while he's suffering like that you know straightening everybody out and all that they're saying that's a lie all he was able to do is do what he was supposed to do, do the will of the Father and suffer like that, while people are standing there mocking him and basically helping send other people to hell with their lies that they're telling. That would have been difficult in a way that you and I will never be able to imagine. So we have seen the scourging, the spitting, the crown of thorns, the smiting on the head, the mocking, uh, the rejection. Look what it says in John 19 in verse 4. It says Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them behold I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate said unto them behold the man when the chief priests therefore and officers saw it they cried out saying crucify him crucify him Pilate saith unto them take ye him and crucify him for I find no fault in him so notice the how he's just rejected by the mob. And I understand Jesus knew what he was doing. But folks, that had to have hurt that knowing here, he is standing before these people, knowing not only has he never done anything bad to him, he had done so much good for them, and he was in the process of doing good for them. And yet there they are crying out, crucifying. It's tough to be rejected. That's something, that's that's another thing. That he had to deal with he came unto his own and his own received him not Not an easy thing folks. The fact you know people They read about the judgments in the bible and sometimes act like god's really mean and harsh, you know They'll read about revelation that god's really mean and harsh But god is not really mean and harsh Really the I mean The meanest thing that he could have done was not gone to the cross You know the meanest thing he could have done is done what these people wanted him to do but, you know, a real leader, he does what's right and what's good for the people and is not influenced by the masses. And, boy, I wish we had a leadership like that today. Stop being influenced by the masses. Do what's right. Do what's good for everybody. And that's what Jesus did, even though it made him extremely unpopular. Thank God for that. So in verse 7, says the Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. We're not going to go look at all the different accusations they threw at him. But we talked about that a little over a week ago about how they just, you know, he said he was going to tear down this temple. That's not what he said. You know, they're, they're talking about, they were saying he said it's not lawful to give tribute to Caesar. Well, that was the exact opposite of what he said to do. They're just lying about him. Folks, it's a painful thing to just hear blatant lies said about you. It hurts. And here he is, and yet not opening his mouth, not saying anything. That that right there, you realize how much strength it takes to just not answer things? I mean, folks, most of us, we don't even have the strength to just keep scrolling when somebody says something we don't like, do we? And yet here's Jesus being accused of things, suffering for the things he's accused of, not opening his mouth. It's it's amazing. It's something we ought to we ought to think about. We see in verse eight it says, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Went again to the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. And then let's go ahead and jump down to verse uh, seventeen or sixteen. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. So notice the carrying of the cross that he had to do. And think about this. You know, imagine trying to drag a cross after being beat up, you know, after having a crown, you know, after the scourging, the beating with the whip that he took. Imagine all that. And of course he, he had to have help. We see Simon the Cyrene who came and helped him. Carry his cross. That's how tired. That's how weak he was. This man who had done all the amazing things that he had done, he he had to have someone help him carry that cross because he is already, after all he's been through. I mean, he's, you know, most of us would have been done for. You know, we'd have collapsed at this point. But here he has. He has to go carry his his own cross that he's going to be nailed to, and. You know, I don't know how long that took. I'm not real sure how long that uh, path was that he had to walk. But he did. He had to go walk to his crucifixion. And I think it's interesting that he did that, too. You know, that they didn't. You know, most of us, they'd have had to drag us there, kicking and screaming. But he went and he did that walk, carrying his cross, being mocked along the way, being humiliated, being spit on, you know, looking like, you know, being treated just like the worst person in the world, when he is the Son of God taking away the sin of the world. We see in verse 23 of John 19, it says, And the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. So notice how, first off, this is just disrespectful too. How while he's suffering, they take his clothes from him, and then are just casting lots, basically just playing games to get his clothing. You know, because they're figuring out oh, he's going to be dead here pretty soon. He doesn't need this stuff. So notice too that he had to hang on that cross naked another humiliating thing not only is he suffering the way he is not only is he put on public display like that but you know he's put in a shameful position and and think about this too because nakedness is a sin isn't it and so here you have the sinless son of god you know on display and and in a way that's sinful i understand this is not him sinning because he's not doing this on purpose, but at the same time too I do think it's interesting that he was put on display like that because nakedness is a picture of sin in the scriptures That's why we see in the garden of eden how adam and eve before they ate of that fruit They were both naked, but were not ashamed There was no knowledge of good and evil But as soon as they ate that fruit, they immediately knew that they were naked and it was they immediately tried to cover their nakedness And then what did god do? What was the first thing that god did for them? He ended up making coverings for him. He made clothes to cover their nakedness. And that's a picture, too, I believe, of how the blood of Christ, it covers our sins. And one thing we see in the scriptures when we're in heaven, we're going to be wearing white robes that are clean and white, and those robes are the righteousness of the saints. Though That's a clothing that's given to us by Jesus Christ that that covers our nakedness. And it's a picture of our sin being covered. And isn't that the case with us right now? Our sins are covered, aren't they? why because we have sins we all have sins but those sins are covered thanks to what jesus christ did so jesus christ he had to hang on that cross like that in a way that is sinful because of the fact that he is becoming sin for us the bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us he didn't do the sin but if you're going to put sin on display if you're going to show a picture of sin I don't think there's a better picture in all the world than a just beaten and bloody Jesus Christ nailed to a cross. Because, folks, that's what we are in the eyes of God. Y'all understand that? That's just how wretched and vile we are in the eyes of God. And the fact that Jesus endured that for us, as embarrassing as it would be for us, it was more so for him because of who he was and how sinless he was. And we, we can't even imagine that. So that nakedness is just another part of the crucifixion that made it horrible. Another thing we see in verse 25 says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And be, you know, I think it would have been tough too, the fact that his mom had to be there watching it. If I was going through something like this, I wouldn't want my family there seeing it. Uh, You know, and I understand, you know, his mother probably wanted to be there for him, but I imagine, you know, her being brokenhearted the way she was, that probably was difficult for him too. But it says, uh, jump down to verse 29. It says now, or uh, 28, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So notice the thirst too. So think about this. I, you know, and again, none of us can imagine pain like this, but, you know, we, we've all experienced, you know, thirst, but Jesus is going through all these things. To me, it's like, if you're in that much pain, the last thing you'd be thinking about is a drink, but, you know, at the same time too, you would probably actually want to drink even more so when you're going through something like that. After all he's endured, after the hours of beating, after, you know, the carrying the cross, after hanging there on that cross, after all those things, you're going to get thirsty. And he just needs some comfort. Pretty, you know, what he needs, just a little bit of relief. And what do they do? They give him a sponge of vinegar that he didn't receive. You know, it's just, it's it's beyond what any of us can imagine. But uh, And I, I skipped over, too, in verse 18, it says, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side. And... Uh, Side one and Jesus in the midst. So of course the, they nailed him to a cross. Now none of us can imagine a pain like that too. Having nails driven through our hands, having nails driven through our feet, and being put on a cross like that, we can't even imagine that. So now you know after he's gone through all that, he's nailed to a cross. There's I mean he, now he's completely helpless. You know there's nothing he can do to comfort himself in any way. He's thirsty. All these things just hanging there on display, being mocked after all this suffering. But then i it's interesting how he's not said anything. All right, now think about this. He's gone through just one pain after another. I don't know how long, how much time has passed, but a lot of time has passed. But this part, too, I think it's interesting that this is when he ends up speaking and saying something. Turn to Mark chapter 15. In verse 33, it says that when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I personally believe that at this, it was at this point where he became sin for us notice too how it mentions um, you know after when he said i thirst it was like all things had been done that were to, to be fulfilled and it was like once he had i mean fully carried that you know you know uh burden of sin and became sin for us it's almost as though god could not even look on his son and it's interesting how he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was as though this was something Jesus did not know was coming, something he was not ready for. And he cries out, and I don't fully understand the significance of that. But I do think a holy God just couldn't even look at his son in that sinful condition like that. And again, not his sin, okay? not his sin Jesus was not capable of sin, but he was capable of carrying our sin and bearing our sin on the cross and becoming sin for us. Because this is, and this is, you know, I, I hate to you know, speculate, but if, if I may just, you know, tell you what I just think and wonder sometimes when it comes to this, is, you know, the, there is no death without sin, is there? You know, had Adam and Eve never sinned, they never would have died. Jesus Christ he if he never sins he never dies so think about this too you know after all that he went through it's almost amazing he wasn't already dead at this point it's like how's he still going after all this maybe it was because of the fact that he had no sin but when he takes our sin upon himself you could say that it was our sin that killed him when he became sin for us because there is no death without sin jesus didn't have any of his own sin so he had to take our sin in order to die it was you could say it was our sin that killed him that's just my opinion that's my theory on it but i do i think jesus would have lived forever you know had he not taken our sin upon himself because he did not have any sin of his own that's just that's just what i think but I personally think, too, that that was the part that he was concerned about the most. Because in the garden, when we see him praying, he said, you know, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from him. I think he was referring to the cup of sin. I don't think it was so much a fear of, uh, you know, the suffering and the pain, even though I'm sure, you know, there was concern for that. I think it was that cup of sin because, you know, things that, you know, there, there are some things to us that are naturally revolting, you know, and, you know, and, you know, there's some dirt things that are just really dirty and really nasty that we're just disgusted by and we want to stay away from. And that's us who we have our own disgustingness. Right. But there's some people, too, that don't mind certain things. Right. Because maybe they're just really dirty people. They don't have any hygiene and that stuff doesn't bother them as much. So the thing is, like, there's certain sins that you and I couldn't even imagine doing. You know, some of you all in here, and I think even me, if I just strangled a cat to death, I think I'd probably get a stomach ache over that. I think that would bother me that much. All right? Now, some people can strangle a human being to death, and they enjoy that. Okay? So, think about Jesus Christ, who is holy, completely without sin, taking on sin. I think that was something that you and I will never be able to imagine. And in my opinion, Uh, that was probably the worst part for him on the cross someone completely holy all of a sudden now carrying that weight of sin i don't think it can be fathomed by us but that's something that we need to remember uh and we need to take into consideration when he was on that cross too because you have these weirdos too like over the philippines and stuff that want to go nail themselves to a cross you know every year on good friday and stuff And, and you know First off, that's just absolutely wicked to do something like that. That is that is blasphemous. That cheapens what Jesus Christ did. None of us could go through what Jesus Christ went through. you know, to, And to do something like that is just beyond wicked. It's, it's a terrible thing. But you know what none of us could do? None of us could ever carry that weight of sin like Jesus did. We'll never know what that feels like. Ever. We'll never know that. And I'm thankful for that. And not only will we never feel that, We will never taste of death. Look what it says in John 19 uh, and then verse. um, let's, Let's go to verse 38. It says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds of weight, and they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. So not only did Jesus go through all that suffering, but Jesus died. Okay, And folks, this is something that people don't like to talk about today. People like to talk about the suffering. They like to talk about the cross, and we should talk about the cross But we need to talk about the death, too. Okay, The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection. Jesus died and tasted of death for us, meaning we will never taste of death. But that's not just talking about a physical death. Jesus Christ, when he died, he went to hell. It, they're, they're, the, the Bible is very clear on that It says in Acts 2:27, Behold thou wilt not leave my soul in hell Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one To see corruption Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance Men and brethren let me freely speak unto you of The patriarch David He is both dead and buried And his sepulcher is with us unto this day Therefore being a prophet Knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him That of the fruit of his loins According to his flesh He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne he saying this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, that He shed forth, uh, this which He now see and hear. So we see that Jesus Christ, He did, He went there, and His soul was not left in hell. He God loosed. The pains of death. So not only did Jesus die, but he was dead. He said in Revelation, behold, I am he that was dead, and I am alive forevermore. He was not dead like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who God said, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were dead physically, God called them living Hey, where do they learn that from jesus? He's the one that taught that doctrine right there And jesus is he that was dead He was dead For three days, but he rose again and folks. We can't leave that part out of the gospel You don't get to leave the death We don't just get to talk about the suffering and not talk about the death The bible talks a lot about the death of jesus christ the death burial. Why does it mention burial in there too? Because it shows that he was actually dead. It was a fulfillment of prophecy that his soul wouldn't be left in hell, but his holy one, his flesh, would not see corruption. He wouldn't be dead long enough for his body to rot away and deteriorate. He was going to rise again from the dead, and that's exactly what he did. And so we we talk we're going to talk about all of it. People get so triggered when you talk about the death of Jesus Christ, but I don't know how you get around talking about the death of christ when the bible says it's the death burial and resurrection that jesus christ died according to the scriptures he was buried and then he rose again that jesus said behold i am he that was dead and am alive forevermore and so i mean good night we ought to talk about the cross we ought to sing about the cross we ought to glory in the cross because that was jesus christ physically doing everything in the flesh that you and i could never do Jesus Christ is taking that physical punishment. Jesus Christ lived a perfect and a righteous life and a holy life, never committed one sin in the flesh. But folks, our punishment for sin, it was not just a physical death. It was a spiritual death in hell. And Jesus did both of those. He died a physical death that took him to the same place where we belong, where he said we're never going to have to taste of it. He tasted it for us. He tasted that for every man, and we can't leave that out of the gospel. You don't leave the death out of the gospel, but yet people today get really offended when you talk about the death. You know, they want to they want to make it easier. You know, it's like they've got to make Christ's sacrifice easier because you know, hell people don't like talking about hell today, do they? Think about more and more religions are deciding that hell is not real. You know why? Because it's not a pleasant thought. It's not not a pleasant place. It's a horrible place, but that's because sin is a horrible thing. And there's a severe punishment, and it's an eternal eternal punishment that is on the soul of man for the sins that they have done. And Jesus Christ, he experienced that force. He tasted it, but thankfully, that death could not hold him like it would be able to hold us because of the fact that he had no sins of his own, and so God raised him up from the dead, and now we have hope. Now we can actually have eternal life. And so real quickly, even after he was dead, it's interesting too, after he was dead, we see in John chapter 19, it mentions how, uh, it says when says in verse 33, when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, break not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear, Pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. So we see him getting a spear put through the side. You know, and and, you know, what's the significance of that? Well, I think one to make sure all the blood is shed. You know, the rest of the blood comes from the body because his blood was that atonement for sin too. But it's again leaving no doubt that he is dead, leaving absolutely no doubt at all. That he was dead, he, they went and they pierced his his dead body, and that was just a, a, another part of that crucifixion that we see. And folks, that right there is why we can go to heaven, because we all have a lot of guilt, don't we? We all have a lot of sin, and we can read our, when we read our Bible, we ought to study the law of God. We ought to learn what sin is, and. See all these things in here that we are guilty of? But, you know, thankfully, we can read about the cross and see where payment was made for all those things. And we can now have deliverance. We can now have salvation. We can be clothed in righteousness one of these days. And it is 100% about Jesus. And so, folks, think about this, too. And I know you all know this. I'm preaching to the choir right now. Okay? But think, think about how blasphemous it is and how wicked it is to add any works to salvation what can we add to what we just talked about tonight think, think about that what in the world could we possibly add to that and to think oh yeah, you know if getting baptized is, is gonna add, you know is gonna complete what jesus christ did on the cross folks he did it all Hey, okay? he suffered he died and was buried and rose again. He did it all for us. And so our communion, our fellowship is with Jesus Christ. What we have in common today is not that we've never committed certain sins or we've just you know achieved some you know righteousness of our own, that we're just like some you know club of good, decent people. No, we're a bunch of low-down sinners that have put their faith in a holy and a righteous God and he paid for our sins, and we glory in him. Our, our testimony is Jesus Christ. What we looked at tonight is our testimony, the work of Jesus Christ, and thank God for it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you for preserving your uh, the word for us, Lord, so we can always, 2,000 years later, read about what you did for us and just reflect on it and just be thankful. And Lord, I just pray you'll help us to... I do a good job of representing you well and spreading this message and telling everyone about the sufferings that you did for us and about your death and about your burial and resurrection, and I pray you'll help us to to be a light. We thank you for what you've done for us, and I pray you'll help us to uh, try to uh, live in a way that represents you well. In your name we pray, amen.